0: Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. I'll
1: still get excited every time I hear that at the beginning. More film me, eh?
0: No, absolutely. <laughs> so you should get excited. It's a very exciting show. Uh, well, so I understand. And, and we'll what? start to...
1: Yes, go on then. Well,
0: we'll start with not that exciting news. That's <laughs> Sainsbury's... Side of the times, are uh, to stop selling CDs and DVDs, which Delicious. is, you know, it's a sign that people are getting their music and, in particular, their movies through uh, streaming services, you know, Netflix, Amazon, wherever, mm. uh, rather than actually buying them on physical media. So I think that's remarkably interesting.
1: Yes, you will not be able to create the surprise to learn that I am um, rather behind the step here. I still like owning things yes I mean, and' yes. not just'm not just earning the right to stream whenever I want but actually you know having a physical one because quite often I come back to watch something again on the streaming service and it's already gone yes but
0: they that's don't true. last
1: there forever they only buy the rights for a
0: certain time no that's absolutely true that's maybe the solution is to pirate all the things you want and download them and then store them on a hard disk somewhere but that's oh life maybe is too short not that I'd ever recommend anything like that on live no. radio
1: and I'm not sure I would know how to do it either I'm sure you could no. teach me if I no, asked no people. no no I, I wouldn't know how to do
0: it either <laughs> oh really
1: no. okay um, so yes well, I suppose it's a sign of the time someone I mean, would imagine the other supermarkets will sort of follow store so, follow in, follow what's the phrase suit, suit. suit. thank you yes. Suit.
0: Yes. yes, they can follow store as well if they want <laughs> Yes. Okay. Meanwhile, the other side of the world, the Japanese government has also been trying to update itself by banning fax machines. And they've, they've received an extraordinary uh, uh, fight back from hundreds of government departments who say, no, 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 we want to keep our fax machines. We don't trust email. And they say, why? And they say, well, because fax is so much more secure that it can't be intercepted. Mm. Um, it can't be edited. You 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 don't get rogue faxes coming through looking like real faxes. Uh, actually, you do occasionally, yes. um, and uh, and they're they're desperate to keep their their fax machines. So it's strange
1: because we think the Japanese are so far advanced with us and everything. And there was a big we fuss do. a few years ago when it was ter- turned out that the NHS still used fax machines. <laughs> Everybody said how
0: antediluvian. Yes. Antediluvian, I suppose Antediluvian. Well, or not literally,
1: yes, not literally before the flood, clearly. Yes.
0: At least it wasn't prelapsarian, which oh, would have been grief. before the Garden um, of Eden. <laughs> yes, yes. Not much before that, really. Um, not much before.
1: So intriguing. um Who's going to win?
0: I think the government departments are going to win because however much the, uh, the government insists that they change, they're not going to get rid of their fax machines because they, they like them. They're very traditional people. And they you know once they settle on a way of doing things, that's how they like to do things. I can still remember the excitement when
1: you could actually bin the fax machine because your computer could cope with incoming faxes. So I claimed. haven't had one. I haven't had one for a while. No, <laughs> I'm not
0: surprised to hear. It. I, <laughs> I must. I must try and do something with the Japanese government department, then I can get back to using it again. I have a brother printer, as we've talked about on this show. It's an A3 color inkjet mm. printer, which of course also does scanning. Yes. Uh, and every time I turn it on, I get a bizarre error message, uh, which I can't get rid of. And, and I finally phoned up Brother and said, what is this error message and how to get rid of it? It's something about base station uh, yes. error, whatever. And, uh, and they said, well, you have to, have to put in your fax details. And I said, but it's, I don't use it for fax. Can't I just turn that off? No, you can't turn that off. Because it has fax built in. Every time you turn it on, it's looking for a fax machine. Is Brother a Japanese company? As it happens, it is. Mm-hmm. That must be it. So they no, bother, t- don't bother that. tailoring
1: it to the UK market.
0: No, Intriguing. indeed, yes. Also this week, there have been a couple of interesting auctions. A Super Mario 64 cartridge. Super Mario 64 being the uh, one of the, the big uh, names in uh, video games mm. in the 1990s. And an original cartridge from 1996 for the Nintendo 64 platform was just sold for one and a half million dollars. That's mm. just over a million pounds. Well, I say I mean, just you,
1: over 1.1. Probably, yeah, what's 100,000 pounds? when you Exactly. Uh, presumably it didn't cost that much when they
0: bought it. No, <laughs> it probably just cost, I don't know, maybe about $20 when they bought it. That seems
1: pretty impressive. when you consider the, 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 the thing that we all wish we'd kept, you know, things yes. like our old James Bond car in the original boxes. Ah. But, the, but the price
0: hike of those is nothing like... The main reason being, it's never been opened. So someone bought it for 20 dollars back in 1996. Yes. N- never got around to opening. it. They can't have bought it as an investment, surely. And now it's worth uh, over a million. So uh, it's the fact that these things haven't been opened. Of course, whoever buys it will yes. not open it either.
1: No. Utterly bizarre. And by the time somebody does open it, there won't be a Super Mario to play it on.
0: Yes. So, well, me, so what is a, what is it?
1: What is it? I mean, at least what at least it? those old Corgi and Dinky cars that are in boxes that have never been opened. At least in theory, you could open the box and play with
0: them. You could still play with them, yes. Well, also this week, an, uh, Isaac Newton, his handwritten revisions to the Principia Mathematica, Mathematica mm. which is the great scientific text of the 17th century, yeah. went up for sale and, um, Curiously, the revisions that he made weren't then included in either the second or the third editions, uh, which is... That's publishers for you. That's publishers. uh, One and a half pages of his sort of densely packed handwritten notes just sold for £1.7 million. Well, that makes some sense to me. Does that make more sense? I mean... I think this is very, very analogous to the non-fungible tokens that well, we were oddly talking enough, about I was going,
1: Well, oddly enough, I was going to say I'm slightly surprised it wasn't done as a non-fungible token, but then I'm rather sceptical of those.
0: Well, I know, but this is the whole point, that a non-fungible token is the same thing that, whose only value is its history, um, and the fact that you can then make digital copies which are identical to the original is irrelevant. So uh, a, f- uh, a perfect scanned reproduction of Isaac Newton's handwritten revisions to the hmm. Principia wouldn't sell for one point seven million pounds. No. It would sell for maybe ten pence the cost of printing it out. But
1: it's 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 uniqueness surely that is why it's so valuable. In the same way that yes. you know cinema posters, if they don't exist anymore, some of the great Hitchcock ones or first yes. editions of of James Bond or PG Woodhouse sell for lots yeah. of money because they're just yeah. are very rare.
0: That's exactly right. But, yes. but even though the Newton is, to all his purposes, identical to a facsimile of his letter, it's the original that has the value yes. in the same way that, you know, the first tweet has value, even though you can reproduce it exactly. So it's, you know, it's um it's interesting how uh, auctions have gone virtual, but they're still pretty much the same kind of thing. Well, talking of reproducing things, here's one.
1: Sounds exactly the same as the one I played last week.
0: <laughs> it does indeed. And uh, you know,
1: uh, I'll I'll take I won't, I don't want a million. I don't want five hundred thousand. I'll take it.
0: Uh, no, last week's was the original. This is just a, a copy. Uh, uh, blast! No, so you wear headphones all day when you're doing share radio, don't you? Do you find they get uncomfortable? They most certainly do. These they are do. less
1: uncomfortable than some of the ones I've worn on the past. I think many years ago when I started work at the BBC, we had Bakelite headphones that were almost oh. a torture instrument with a horrendous mm. spring that would press them into your head.
0: Yes. Well, you're not the only person to find them uncomfortable. People who use them for you know, Zoom meetings all day find mm. them uncomfortable. Um, so you and indeed they could may well make use of the Sony IPX4 splash-resistant SOS NB10. Oh, it trips off the tongue, doesn't There's it? There's a name to conjure with. I mean, you can see why Apple come up with names like iPod, can't you? <laughs> yes. Anyway, so what I hear you wondering is the Sony IPX4-SRS-NB10.
1: Yes, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to wonder that, but not out loud, if that's all right.
0: Uh, yes, indeed. It is a headphone replacement that you wear around your neck. So it's a kind of Ooh. U-shaped speaker that just hangs around your neck. It has beam-forming microphones in it that target your mouth, so they pick right. up what you're saying and not everything else going on around you. And they have special processes to minimise feedback and echo. Um, I think potentially quite a good idea. Um, however. However, firstly... Uh, they cost £139, although they, rather they will do when they're available in September. They only wear foot, maybe four ounces, so it's nice and light just string mm. around your neck. So nearly £140. Um, and I think the whole point about wearing headphones, particularly in an office environment, is that other people aren't listening into the chatter that, that you're mm. having with other people. But of course, if you've got these things around your neck, then other people are very much listening into that. Well, presumably very good for working from home. Good from working. From her. I imagine that's why they they brought them out. And mm. I think if I were doing lots of Zoom, but then people do wear headphones when they're doing Zoom. I'm not entirely sure why, because the microphone in most computers is is pretty good. Mm. I mean, you and I are wearing them now because we're we're broadcasting to the world. But if I were just broadcasting to Auntie yes. Ethel in Australia, then I don't think she'd mind too much if the sound quality wasn't perfect.
1: No, I encountered an interesting working from home environment recently with a, with a, a married couple who sort of built themselves an office at the bottom of the garden but were essentially back to back sharing the same you know big shed and so apparently they were visible in the background of the other people's meetings and uh. regularly people would say well who's that in the background then uh. it's it just very, they said it worked incredibly well but I can't help feeling it <laughs> it's, it's like harassment for disaster to me but Who knows? What do I know? Probably. I have a
0: a friend whose wife is on Zoom meetings uh, Mm. all day and um, he has a habit of bringing in a cup of tea and yelling trolley at the top of his (laughs) voice.
1: Excellent. Occasionally
0: he will stick a a naked leg in through the door just to liven things up.
1: Does does she find his sense of humour amusing or is it grating by now?
0: I suspect grating by now.
1: (laughs) Well, let's take a quick pause for breath ourselves.
0: Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.
1: This is Simon Rose. You're listening to Gadgets and Gizmos with Steve Kaplan, who's just poked a naked leg through the door.
0: Exactly, That's as you did, yeah. as you do.
1: But no trolley coming round, sadly.
0: Uh, now, do you remember those pneumatic tubes that they used to get in old-fashioned shops? Yes,
1: very vaguely, though I think they disappeared before the tea trolleys did.
0: I think they probably did. The yes, idea was, I
1: know. Read, usually old-fashioned departmental
0: stores. That's right. So yes. you would go to the cash desk, you'd hand over your notes, your 10-shilling note for, I don't know, probably a three-piece suite and a grand yes, piano yes, in those days. Yes, yes. And they would roll it up and put it into a plastic tube Which would go, I
1: can't make the noise, but it would make a really wonderful sort of sucking noise.
0: It would make a sucking noise and it would whoosh over your head and you could watch it travelling to the far distance where it would disappear through a wall, eventually end up with the accounts department who would open it up, put the right change in and then whoosh it back to you. absolutely wonderful. I love those things. Well, a similar process has been developed by Hyperloop transport technologies.
1: Yes, I know Um, about
0: this. This is quite a while ago, surely. Well, maybe maybe it was in development. Maybe they actually
1: started now. But,
0: okay. Well, they haven't started. Um, it's magnetic levitation up to seven hundred and sixty miles an hour. They reckon they can fire shipping containers around. Oh, I didn't know that.
1: I'd heard of one in California that was going to be a a, a passenger.
0: Um, no, no, this hyperloop is thing. Okay, shipping intriguing. containers. Um, they've built three hundred and twenty meters of test track which is not quite enough to get up to 760 miles an hour. No. But they've demonstrated. But, uh, of course, the real problem is the cost. Do you have any idea how much it costs to build high-speed rail track? I know exactly how much. A lot. It does. Actually, Mm. even more than that. According to the World Bank, the cost of building a high-speed train track in California is $809 million per mile. Ooh, yeah, I was right. Eighty-nine million dollars per mile. Mm-hmm. That's astonishing. That's more than a lot. That's a mm-hmm. hell of a lot.
1: Yeah, the thing about the Hyperloop, I just wanted to look it up to double check, but it is—it's another Elon Musk thing. Yes, he, but he, I thought he... the whole point about the hype the, the um, Hyperloop was that you didn't have to build track, and it could even go underground if you wanted it to, because it's just essentially a tunnel. And intriguingly, Brunel. Had similar ideas rather a long time ago. So, if you actually travel down to, to Cornwall or at least as far as, as Exmouth, just beyond Exmouth, I uh, can't remember exactly well, there is the, the, the remnants of what was Brunel's attempt to actually propel trains through a tunnel using um, suction power ah. and vacuum and everything. The problem was, whatever they sealed the tunnels with was catnip to rats, if you see what I mean. And ah. they started eating it, and of course, once they started eating it, the air pressure couldn't be maintained. Uh, so it came to naught. But it's still sure. it's still there, and you can go and look at um, mm. and look at the sort of a you know, small museum dedicated to it. So you know, Elon Musk may think he's invented this, but Brunel was there first.
0: Ah, oh, as he so often was. Yeah. Mind you, with the first names like Isambard Kingdom, <laughs> you, you had to work go to aspire to greatness, didn't you? I guess so.
1: I guess so. Yes, Simon and Steve, not quite as portentous. No, no. no,
0: they are very much of their time, though, aren't they? They're latest. I mean.
1: Well, so is this Zimbabwean Kingdom, frankly. Well, that's if you call <laughs> your, <child, laughs> your child, is Kingdom captain? They no. probably will <laughs> get a little
0: bit of stick in the playground, I imagine. Now, the region of Carrara in Italy is well known for its marble. I've been there. Have you? Yes, we brought I don't know
1: what happened to them, brought back little marble eggs. That's almost every tourist goes. Uh, goes Unless they're really wealthy, in
0: which case you bring back marble chess sets. (laughs) Right. Well, a lot of people are bringing back marble statues. Um, Some of them are bringing back lumps of marble they can carve themselves, and some of them are having these statues hand-carved in situ, or rather robot-carved. Apparently, there's a number of robot sculptors working there. So there's one called ABB2, possibly Abub-2, I don't know how you pronounce it really, which has recently made a number of marble cabbage leaves for an American sculptor. There's one called Quantec-2, which has been producing statues for a British artist. Uh, Neither of these people want to be named because, of course, they want to preserve the illusion that they're carving these things themselves. But apparently, robots have been carving statues for the likes of Jeff Koons and Zaha Hadid. Intriguing. Um, and uh, the, one of the people who owns one of these robot sculptors uh, made a reproduction of uh, Canova's statue, Psyche Revived by Cupid's Kiss, which is a rather fine mm-hmm. piece of uh, piece of marble ware, as you might call it. The original took uh, Canova five years; the robot took eleven days.
1: Intriguing. Mind if it, is. it was actually copying rather than producing it for the first time,
0: but. It was. It was. It is a reproduction, as you say. But then it's, you know, it's made in marble. And rather like the non-fungible tokens, the original has value, whereas the reproduction, even though it's identical in almost every respect, doesn't have the same value.
1: No. But of course, if you were of a nefarious bent, you could break in and substitute it and have the one that was really valuable and nobody would notice the difference.
0: Yes, although swapping one large statue of marble for another might be a somewhat tricky process. You can't slip it into your pocket. Oh, I'll watch the movie when it comes out. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a good one, wouldn't it? Shall we move on to our crowdfunding I of the Very,
1: very clever. Giving you lots of warning so I can play this.
0: And a couple of curious ones uh, this Mm -hmm. week, as indeed they're curious most weeks. The first one is on Kickstarter. It's called 32 Degrees North, or rather 32 Degrees N. Not -hmm. entirely sure what the name means. Maybe it's where the company makes it located. And they are dynamic focus sunglasses. The idea being that if you wear sunglasses but also need reading glasses then it can be a bit of a pain to have the switch between them or try and put your reading glasses on over your sunglasses if you want to look at your phone or read some small print on a menu, yes. for example. Uh, so these, uh, you swipe along the arm to move between near and far focus. You can control the uh, amount of magnification with an app. Of course you can. And there's a rectangular active viewing area that's about half the size of the total glasses area, no moving parts. Instead, it uses, and I quote, millions of tiny pixels inside the lens that change their state. So I'm not entirely sure what that means. I've seen they have demonstrations on Kickstarter which are not entirely convincing, not convincing enough for me to plunk down my 250 pounds <laughs> to find out how well they work. Well, well they you could say be, that, make, but 32 degrees glasses.
1: north. I mean, they could be in Tibet. Uh, they could be in Israel. They could be in Arizona, uh, New Mexico or California
0: and a few uh, other places. My bet's on California.
1: Okay. But you've got some, haven't you got some sort of glasses that become sunglasses as well?
0: Without having to change them? I have some sunglasses that have uh, the the bifocals so I can read through the bottom part. Did you you pay $349 for them? I didn't. I didn't. I got them from Specsavers. They still cost quite a lot, but nothing like that. Mm. Uh, And I have them so they're tinted at the top, but not at the bottom. So I could read clearly at the bottom and I could see people through the top. So... Uh, that all works well. On to our second crowdfunding. You don't need a fanfare for this. Oh, I was about on to ask, it. but go no, no. On. No, Give no, no, no. no. Oh, no. go
1: on. Uh, I've lost it
0: now. Here we are. <laughs> and we're over to rival platform Indiegogo for the Circlo Table Lamp. Hmm. And the Circlo Table Lamp is a circular ring about a foot in diameter that lights up. So it's like, you imagine a fluorescent tube. It's not actually fluorescent, but Mm. it might as well be, that uh, bends into a circle fixed onto a small and rather neat base. Mm. What's interesting about this is how you turn it on and off. You turn it on and off via a steel ball that hovers above the base. And you, you tap the ball and it sort of bounces slightly to set the amount of dimming and turn it on and off. Cute or ridiculous? Well, oh, it, it sounds quite cool. Until you lose the steel ball.
1: Well, well I suppose, yes. Well, you need something to be mischievous. And can't you substitute any just any steel ball?
0: Uh, I doubt it. I think the only way that it can work is if the steel ball has a magnet inside it, or indeed is itself a magnet. Well, I'm sure you can buy a replacement. No, no. The thing is, if it had a magnet, magnets have north and south poles. So it, to, in order to repel it, it has to be the opposite pole to whatever the base is. And if it's a regular steel ball with a magnet, then it's going to flip upside down and, and seal itself to the base. I think it must be a cleverly engineered ball, possibly with the south pole on the outside and the north pole somehow buried away on the inside. I don't know how they make oh. that. Well, perhaps they should sell it with some spare balls. They probably should. 929 Hong Kong dollars, which sounds like a lot. Actually, it's about 85 pounds. So there you go. It's called it seem the circle. It doesn't. It's on Indiegogo, and it looks fairly pretty, not hugely pretty, fairly pretty. Okay. And finally. Oh, okay. Oh no, that's you wanted to carry on talking about it for a bit? No, 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 no. no. That's fine. That's fine. And, to, and finally, police lineups. We've seen them on TV, where they get you know, the uh, the suspect and a whole load of lookalike suspects or yes. non suspects to line up.
1: Well, I might have seen them more closely than that, but I haven't, in fact. But yes, I've yeah. seen them on TV
0: or in films. And yes. Or in films. Uh, and uh, very often these days, they do it with photographs instead. But the trouble is the photographs, of course, are looking straight at the camera. Hmm. And anyone who has witnessed a crime taking place is unlikely to have had the suspect staring straight at them. More likely to have seen them. Yes.
1: The and if they had, they'd probably be less likely to. Help with the lineup.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Just so. Well, the University of Birmingham has come up with quite a simple idea, but cleverly worked out uh, rotatable three D mugshots, which Ooh. can rotate ninety degrees left and right, so you can then rotate the mugshot to the angle at which you saw the uh, alleged miscreant. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's not been charged with anything yet. Um, doing the alleged crime in the alleged location at said date. Mm. Yes, I think it's quite a good idea. I don't know if it means police stations will have to be uh, supplied with 3D cameras in order to take photographs of them. They probably will, but then maybe that's a good thing.
1: And then they'll then fax copies of these to somebody else. Exactly.
0: Or they could use the 3D cameras to make masks of the people and then go and commit other crimes, catch them on camera doing it, and there's your evidence to bang them up. Well, we've
1: got two or three good ideas for, for either novels or films now. Exactly. involving theft and deception in one yes. form or another. Oh, we, yeah. we forgot to sort of say congratulations, I suppose, to, to Branson. We talked about him last week oh, about he, being about to go up into space and he seems to have got, or, or as you put it, to
0: the edge of space. Well, it depends who you ask. According to uh, NASA, he got to space. Mm. According to the rest of the world, he didn't get to space. He didn't reach the Kármán line, and the Kármán line is a few miles above where he got to. But frankly, you can't t- outfitting NASA ought to know where it is. They, they know where it is. They've been it, there. We it? haven't. Yes, no, exactly. Exactly. We should take their word for it, really. Really,
1: yes. I imagine Jeff Bussell thinks he doesn't, but uh, never mind. Okay.
0: Yes. Um. Still a pretty
1: impressive achievement. Steve, thank you very much indeed. That's it for Gadget and Gizmos this week. I'm Simon Rose. I've been talking to Steve Kaplan. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo?
0: No. It's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.